We're towards the bottom of Yevamos Nun Gimel Abayz 53b4 in the Art Scroll Gemara. We are continuing on the Gemara as we started the sixth part, the sixth chapter in the last recording. And now we are continuing on with the Gemara. The Mishnah pointed out, we saw the Mishnah last time, the Mishnah pointed out that if a person does Yibam, if the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law, they do Yibam, they have sexual relations, whether or not it's for the intention of fulfilling the mitzvah. Or even if they don't even realize that it's their brother-in-law or their sister-in-law. And even if it's forced, if it's unnoticed and they're forced to have relations, <coughs> excuse me, so it still works. It still works. And we'll see the Gemara. We'll try to explain what does it mean. It's a case that they are forced. The Gemara will give uh, four different answers to that question. The first three they will, they will reject, and then they will conclude with the last answer. And then, as we will see in the Gemara, the Gemara tries to bring uh, a proof, a source for these different ideas and a source uh, from the Torah. So let's continue on in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Ones, ones What is the case that uh, a person is forced? What, what exactly, what case are we referring to here that they are being coerced? So the Gemara says, suggestion number one. If it is the fact that uh, there were non-Jews who forced him, forced the brother-in-law to have relations with the sister-in-law, but there is a principle of Rava, Rava has a principle that literally that uh, an erection can only happen Willingly, it can only happen willingly, and so even though from an outside circumstance they are forced to have relations, in the end of the day, he is having relations, uh, he has intentions to have relations, because we see uh, that he has kishui, <coughs> that uh, he has a desire for it, at least uh, within the act itself. Obviously he's being forced, so he doesn't, uh, from the bigger picture, he doesn't want to do this, but... The, within the act itself, Rava is of the opinion that uh, within this act itself, the fact that he's able to have kishoy, to have an erection, so then that proves to us uh, that within the act itself, if we just narrow in on the act itself, even though he's being forced by, from the outside, uh, there is a certain level of desire to it that we can't view it as halakhically uh, being forced with regards to this area, meaning the fact that he knows, he knows that he's having uh, and uh, he has uh, knowledge and a certain level of uh, willingness when he's doing this act. Now, what case are we, are we exactly referring to here? Uh, so, there, uh, Tosis brings up two different situations, two different scenarios. One scenario is where uh, a person puts uh, forces and says, listen, if you're not going to have relations with your sister-in-law, I'm going to kill you. That is one option. They put a gun to their head, to his head. So in that case, Tosa says that that can't be what our Gemara is referring to because that's obvious. Within the act itself, that's something obvious. We don't need Rubba to tell us this, that when he's performing the act itself, so then there's a certain element of wanting it, of a desire towards it, and that would be enough for uh, for him to perform the mitzvah of Yibam. He says, rather, the case is as follows. He says, the case is not where a gun is put to his head and then he makes the decision on his own uh, to have uh, to have relations. Uh, rather, the cases where the non-Jew, in the case that's the way Gemara refers it to as an Ovi Kochavim, the non-Jew forces him physically to be on top of his sister-in-law, 
Um, and so within that, one might have thought that maybe he is, it's not viewed as being done willingly because even within the direct act itself, it's not being done willingly. He's forced physically to be on top of her. But still, nevertheless, Rava says, since there is some element of willingness from the fact that he had an erection, so then that shows us that uh, there is some element of the fact that he desires uh, for this. Uh, just as an interesting side point, whenever a, uh, going back to the first case of Tosvos, whenever a non-Jew uh, forces somebody to, or in any scenario, whenever somebody is being forced uh, to violate against the Torah, and they said, if you don't, if you don't uh, violate the Torah, so then uh, you will be killed. So for every uh, for every commandment in the Torah, we say you're allowed to violate that commandment, except for three. They're the big three, idol worship, adultery, and murder. Uh, and for those three, you have to give up your life for it. Now, there's an interesting discussion which comes up from the commentators on this Gemara. Uh, what happens if they do not uh, give up their life? What happens if they? What happens if they give in? So then, are they? Do they get the death sentence or not? Do we say that this is viewed as though they have really committed adultery or idol worship, where they are deserving of the death sentence, or do we say that no? Um, that uh, since it's under duress, even though the Torah tells us that uh, they should give up their life for it, but at the end of the day, they're under duress, so therefore it, they shouldn't, they should give up their life for it, they shouldn't violate it, but in the end of the day, if they do, so then they do not get a punishment. That is a very interesting machlokas, uh, a dispute which is found amongst the commentators uh, in many places, including on, uh, including on this page itself. Okay, so that is all suggestion number one. Suggestion number two is Ella. Biyashin, the case is where he was sleeping. What does it mean under duress? It means that he was sleeping and then the sister-in-law came and they had, and he had relations while he was sleeping. So that's under duress. So the Gemara says, Valmar of Yehuda, Yehuda says, Yashin lo vimto. He says that somebody who is sleeping uh, does cannot acquire their Yavam. Yehuda says that if they're sleeping, so then it doesn't work for them to be viewed as married. And the basic understanding, the way Tosus understands it, is that the reason why is because he had absolutely no intention, no kavana whatsoever, no intention to have not just not a bia, but he had not not just not a yibam, but also not to have any relations whatsoever, any sexual relations whatsoever while he is sleeping. And we're we're going to see that what's required is not necessarily intention to perform the mitzvah, but at, at the very least intention to perform the act itself, the act of having sexual relations, uh, which really leads to a separate discussion about what exactly is the mitzvah. Is the mitzvah the act itself, the act of sexual relations, or is it the result of the act, uh, which is the fact that they are now, through the act, they are now married? Uh, which one is the mitzvah is also uh, an interesting discussion, which comes out of this, uh, a little bit comes out of this Gemara. Uh, but in the end of the day, if you are sleeping, so then it doesn't work because you have absolutely no intention to even do the act itself, the sexual act itself. So suggestion number three. What is suggestion number three? Ella Beniska. The case is where the brother-in-law accidentally fell onto the Yavama. He fell onto the Yavama, and by falling onto the Yavama, uh, he happens to then also have fall onto her and also... Uh, 
have relations with her. So that is that is the case through falling falling onto her. So the Gemara says that that can't be the case. But Rabba says that somebody who falls from the roof and then was inserted into the woman who was on the floor. So then in terms of liabilities, which is a whole separate discussion, which we don't, it's a broader discussion, which we don't have time to get into, but there are four different types of compensation with regards to injuring her, uh, which we'll, the Gemara will discuss uh, in the next couple of lines. Uh, what they are. In general, there are five. In this case, there are only four. And also, it doesn't work to acquire the Yivama. It doesn't work. It, you do not fulfill the myth of Yivam if you fall on her and then you, uh, you're both naked and uh, he is inserted into the woman. That does not work. And presumably, the reason why that doesn't work, again, is because he also, again, here too, did not have any kavana did not have any intention to, to do an act of sexual relations. And that's why it doesn't work. So what's the case? So suggestion number four. The case is as follows. The case is where he had intentions to have the sexual act, but with his own wife. And as he has having that in mind, the Yavam of the sister-in-law comes and, and takes grab of him and essentially has relations with him. Even though he had in mind to have it with his wife, his own wife, but uh, he was quickly grabbed and now he has sexual relations with uh, his sister-in-law against his will. But initially he wanted it for his own wife, so therefore the point is that since he had intentions for Bia, for having uh, sexual relations, so therefore that would work. Now some of the commentators, they point out that it doesn't have to be his sister-in-law who grabs him away, but it could also be any outsider, any outsider who grabs him away and then forces him uh, to have relations with his sister-in-law, that would also work. That's how why it's different. This is very different than the first first suggestion, because in this suggestion he does want to have relations. He initially did want to have sexual relations. It was just with his wife, um, and then he's at, at the very last moment he's forced on to have relations with somebody else. So that is the conclusion of the Gemara. That is the the case of coercion. Oh, so the Gemara asks, Shame, I'm So if that's the case of coercion, so then how do you ever come up with a case where they are both? Rabbi Chia said that you can have a case also where they are both being forced into this situation. How do you ever have a case where they're both being forced into this, into this situation, both the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law? So the Gemara answers, no, you could. You could have a case where uh, originally the brother-in-law had intentions to have relations with his wife. Then he's grabbed away by an outsider. That outsider then forces both the brother-in-law and the sister-in-law to uh, have relations. And that would be a case where they are both forced. She's being forced by the outsider. He's also being forced by the outsider, but only after he uh, wanted to have sexual relations. Only after, as we pointed out from suggestion number one, it's only after he already had kishui, had an erection for uh, the purposes of having relations with his own wife, only thereafter is he forced to have relations with his sister-in-law, and she's also being forced, so that would be a case where they are both being forced. Okay, that is the end of that part of the Gemara. The Gemara now is going back to the Mishnah and asks the following question. How do we know that all of this is true, that everything in the Mishnah about the fact that uh, even if they don't have the mitzvah in mind and they're doing it purely for just for pleasure and not for the purposes of the mitzvah. 
or they don't even realize that it's their sister-in-law. All these the, different cases. How do we know that it still works? So the Tana Rabbanan, Tana Bresa, Yavamo Yavaleha. You have to go back to the Psukim. You have to go back to the verses which is found in the book of Devarim, where it says, Kiyeshvu Achim Yachtav Umeisachamei Ham. You have two brothers who are alive at the same time, and then one of them dies. But Eloi doesn't have children. Losiya Eishes Umeisachutali Yizar. And then it says, Yavamo Yavaleha. Ulekacha lo leisha v'yibma. It's some of it is repetitive. It says Yevamo Yava Leha. The brother-in-law should have yibum with her, have relations with her. Ulekacha, and he should take her. That's extra. Lo leisha as a wife. V'yibma. Then it repeats again. V'yibma, and they should perform yibum. Why? Why all these extra words? So the Bryce explains Yevamo Yava Leha. Mitzvah. Yevamo Yava Leha tells us that it's a mitzvah. It's preferable to do yibum over chalitza. That's why we have the first phrase. Why do we have the Alternatively, Yavamu Yavaleha. Why does it say Yavamu Yavaleha? It teaches us that phrase teaches us Bein Bishogu Bein Bemezid Bein Bonus Bein Baratzon that it works in all scenarios. Again, provided that he has intention to do the act, the sexual act itself, but it works whether or not uh, he knows that it's his sister-in-law or uh, he's doing it for the right reasons or he's being forced. It doesn't make a difference in all these cases. Uh, it works based on that phrase. So the Gemara asks, but that phrase itself, you taught us for something else. You taught it, that phrase was there to teach us that that uh, we prefer Yibam over Chalitza. So then how can we say that that phrase, Yivamu Yavallah, is there to teach us that it works in all circumstances? The Gemara answers, no. How do we know that we prefer Yibam? Because the, the Pasuk, two Pasukim later, says that if a person doesn't want to do Yibam, they should do Chalitza. So it's clear that the preference is Yibam. So what is that phrase coming to teach us? Yibam must be that it's coming to teach us that it applies in all of the circumstances that were mentioned in the Mishnah. That is all one brisa. Now the Gemara has an alternative brisa, which also has a similar drush, a similar way of expounding on the on the Pesukim. Tani Idach. The brisa says, Yibam Yava Aleha. What does that mean, that first phrase? Kedarka. It means in the natural way. In the natural way, the natural way of having... Uh, relations, because it says Yavamo Yavaleha, and also part of the idea of performing Yibum is to have children to continue the legacy of the previous marriage. Well, uh, that can only happen if it's done kedarka in the normal way. A person has sexual relations where there's at least a potential uh, for th- for that to take place. But then the verse says Ulakacha, as we pointed out before. It there's an added phrase Ulakacha, and he takes her. What is it adding by the to say and he takes her? That it even works shalokadarka, even in the uh, in, in the unnatural way, in the sense that it's it's not the natural way, and it's, it won't lead uh, to has absolutely no possible no possibility of leading to a pregnancy, and that's shalokadarka if it's uh, the, an anal sexual activity, and so in that case it would also work for yibum, but we need the extra word to teach that to us. We need extra word to teach that to us. We would have thought that maybe that doesn't work because. It's impossible for her to become pregnant. But no, that since, even though it's impossible, uh, but it doesn't have to be that it, that it automatically leads uh, to pregnancy. It just has to be the act, the general act. And apparently, Shalokidarka, in this way, is, cons- is considered as part of the general sexual act. Uh, and so therefore, it would work to, uh, for, for the purposes of Yibo. V'yibem, and then it says V'yivma. The end of the Pasuk has an extra third phrase of V'yivma, 
And first it says, V'yibim, why does it say V'yibim? V'yibim could be sort of divided up into two words. V'yibim osa, why does it say V'yibim? Bia gomer is ba'vein kesev shtar gomer ba. This is to teach us that only Bia works. Only Bia works to fit to, only Bia works having relations, uh, sexual relations, only that works for Yibam. To give money or to give a marriage document which would jerk in, which would work in general with regards to engagement, that does not work in this case, as we mentioned in the past. That would not work in this case. We need, we are required to do Yibam. Whether or not giving money accomplishes something, that's something which we've discussed in the past. Does it, even if it doesn't complete the Yibam, does it accomplish something? That, that is what we discussed. Viyibma, why does it say Viyibim Osa? It adds Viyibma, that he should do Yibam to her. To teach us, and this is something that we've had at the very beginning of the tractate, Baal Korcha, that it even works against her will. Not that we recommend it, God forbid, we don't say that he should do it against her will, but if that he did do it against her will, so then that would work. It would work to do it uh, against her will. Okay, that is that is that price. And perhaps the idea why it works against her will is that we pointed out in the past that there really is that bond which is already created. There's that Zika, there is that relationship, and this is just the completion of it, which is why it works. Even if they don't have Kavana intention for the mitzvah, or even if they don't even realize who they're doing it with, uh, and even if it works against, against, it would even work against her will, and against his will also. If he's being forced, it would also work against his will, uh, both against her will and against his will. So the reason why it works, perhaps, is because there's already that bond that's there. All that's necessary is that small amount that's left over, which is the, the yibam, which is the sexual act itself. Okay. The Gemara now quotes from earlier. It says, We had in the first phrase of Yivam to teach us that it works, whether or not they had the right intention, or whether they knew that it was their sister-in-law. So the Gemara says, I understand. But we use that in the other brisa, we use that to teach us that yibam works if it's done kidarka, in the normal way that a person has uh, sexual relations in the normal way, where it could lead to a pregnancy. So the says, no, we don't need that phrase for that. Because the, a verse later on says that the purpose of Yibam is is to give a name to the deceased brother. It's to carry on the legacy of the deceased brother. That proves to us that it would certainly work if it's done in... Uh, in the normal way, in the way which we, which can lead to uh, pregnancy. Um, so in such a case, it does work. Uh, we, we might need a separate phrase to teach us that it even works uh, if it's an act, a sexual act, which is an anal sexual act. Uh, if it's shalokidarka, if it's not done which will, in a way will lead, which will lead to pregnancy. But at the very least, we know that if in the normal way, that that would certainly work. Uh, so we therefore, we have the extra phrase to teach us that it works even if they have the wrong intentions in mind. That's what the, that's what the Gemara says. Now, just to read a few more lines in the Gemara, uh, till we get uh, till, so we'll go a little bit beyond the twenty-minute mark. The Gemara says as follows: Gufa. We're going back to some of the lines that we've had earlier in the beginning of the recording. Rabbi Huda said that if you're sleeping, it doesn't work. It doesn't work while you're sleeping because you need to have kavana. You need to have intent that you're at least, at the very least, even if it's not for the mitzvah, but at the very least that you're performing a sexual act. So the Gemara says, but we have a price otherwise, Vatanya, Ben Er, Ben Yashan. But it says that it works uh, whether, even if you're sleeping. So the Gemara first wants to suggest, no, Ema, Ben Era, Ben Yashina, 
Maybe it means when she's sleeping, when the sister in is sleeping, but not, but he has to be up. But the Gemara challenges that and says, no, but we have another price about Tanya, ben Er, who ben Yashan, who ben Era, he ben Yashina, he, whether he's sleeping or whether she's sleeping, the Brisa seems to imply that it works, even if he's, even if he's sleeping. So that goes against Rabbi Yehuda. So the says, no, what's the case here? Hacha name. It's not where he's actually sleeping, but he's dozing off. It's sort of this in-between state. He's not fully asleep. He's dozing off. He's somewhat aware, somewhat not aware, or she's aware, somewhat aware, she's somewhat not aware. In those cases, it will work, which really is, uh, opens up a, a big topic about in that state, what does work, what doesn't work. Is, are you able to perform mitzvos in such a state? Could you pray in such a state? Could you study Torah in such a state where you are dozing off? So that is a, that is a, a, a bigger discussion. But in this case, it does work. If you're just dozing off, so then it would work for Yibam. You can't be sleeping, but you could be dozing off. What's the, exactly, what does it mean dozing off? It's where you're asleep, but not completely asleep. You're awake, but not completely awake. People could call to you and you could respond. But you're not awake enough to uh, give a response that, that requires some sort of svar, requires reasoning, some sort of logic. But if they remind you of some idea, so then you remember that idea, you remember that uh, concept itself. So that is what happens when you're in a state of dozing off. That would work for Yibam, but being completely asleep would not work. And finally, the last couple of lines for the Gemara for this recording, Gufa, it says in the Gemara, Amar Rabba, Rabba says, this is what we had earlier in the case where uh, a man falls from the roof and is then his uh, his limb is then inserted into uh, the woman. Rabba said that he's obligated in four types of compensation. In general, there are five types of compensation when a person injures somebody else. In this case, there's only four. And also, it doesn't work for Yibam. Since you didn't have Kavana for Bia, you didn't have intent to do the sexual act, it doesn't work for Bia, for Yibam. But the Gemara right now focuses on the four uh, types of compensation. What are the four types of compensation? Which is really a whole separate topic. Benezek, Betzar, Beshevis, Beribwa. The four that he's uh, liable for is for basic damage, for the pain that she suffered, for the fact that she's not able to go to work, he has to pay her for the fact that she can't go to work, and for all medical costs. Those are the four things that he has to pay. But he's not obligated to pay the fifth, which is the humiliation that uh, that she had. Because she was embarrassed, that he's not obligated to pay, because the person only has to pay that if they do it intentionally. Here he fell off the roof, he didn't do it intentionally, and so therefore he is not obligated to pay. And now finally, Amar Rava, Rava says, again, if you... Yibam works if you have intention to perform a sexual act. It doesn't have to be specifically with your sister-in-law, as long as the end is with your sister-in-law, uh, so then that works. So therefore, if a person has intention just merely to uh, press against the wall, literally, meaning to have some sort of erection, not for the purposes of a sexual act, but he's just rubbing against something, and he ends up having Yibam as a result, uh, with his sister-in-law, that does not work because he didn't have the right intentions of a sexual act. However, if he had intentions to have sexual relations of bestiality with, a, with an animal, and then it ends up being that he has relations with his sister-in-law, then that would work. That that would kana. That would work. Obviously, this is we're not talking about cases which are common uh, at all, but it's the it's the uh, idea behind it that the Gemara is trying to relate, which is that having in mind to have relations with an animal would still fall under uh, the general 
uh, concept of intentions to have sexual relations. One might have thought otherwise that because it's an animal, it's not even viewed as having intentions for sexual relations, but no, it is viewed as having intentions for sexual relations. And so then uh, if he ends up having relations with his sister-in-law, so then that would work itself. So we went a little bit uh, extra, but uh, we had to cover some of the ground to make sure that we finish uh, this stuff, finish uh, the page for this week.